Well, hey friends, welcome to Thursday, June 9th. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of Enough for Today. And I want you to join me in Psalm chapter 50. We are journeying through, um, <laughs> I say this, I think, with every psalm. I just fall in love with these psalms. The, the more we get into them, the more we unfold them, it's just like, wow, this one's one of my favorites. Like every single one of them becomes my favorite, my new favorite. It's, it's, uh, it's like new flavors of snow cones or something. It's just every one of them gets better and better. And this one, when we read it the first time through, I thought, wow, this is kind of confrontational. But um, the more we unfold it, the more I just see the heart of God setting us free from forms of religion that really don't satisfy our hearts, setting us free from rote practices that mean nothing, mindless, mind-numbing hypocrisy, setting us free from, uh, from, from that kind of, of oppression and bondage and bringing us into this real, um, intimate, living, dynamic relationship with him uh, where he wants us and we experience him in true worship, in spirit and in truth, as Jesus told the lady who he met in Samaria. It just, it, 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 the, the, the rebuke and the reproof of God in this psalm is so much to our benefit. Uh, it is not to our shame. It is to our liberation. God is setting me free to run with him uh, in worship and in joy and in celebration. So I hope you'll see it that way. Verses one through six of the psalm are God announcing himself as the judge and calling believers to give account to him and to uh, come before him. And we left off yesterday that believers are those who have made a covenant with him by sacrifice, and that's the sacrifice of Jesus, and that's verse 5. So we pick it up in verse 6, that the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself, Selah. So verse 6 is tying a bow on the first six verses of the psalm, saying that it's God uh, that's going to judge us, and the witness behind God, behind the judge's bench, is the witness of all the heavens, okay? I don't know if that's speaking to the great cloud of witnesses that's gone before us or a cloud of the heavens of heavenly hosts, the heavenly armies that can validate uh, and vindicate the justice, the righteousness of God. But the essence here is that God is the final authority and he has all of the universe standing behind that authority. In other words, he commands all of the heavens and there's no one that can challenge his ruling, okay? Uh, there's no appeal in the courtroom of heaven. Uh, God's word is final. God's authority is ultimate and comprehensive. And the judgment that he brings is right and holy. Now, remember, the judgment we're talking about, and if, you, if you're catching us late in this psalm, I really want to encourage you to go back several days to when we started this psalm, because there's some really big concepts of, of what kind of judgment does the believer face uh, the judgment seat of Christ. What does this psalm mean when it talks about fire devouring before God? Do I as a believer need to fear the fire of God? And the answer to that question is no, unequivocally, emphatically, no. Uh, but it's a proving, testing fire of our life, our works. Uh, and um, the things we've done in faith remain, the things we've done um, for wealth and 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 in, in, in a lack of faith and unbelief, the sin we've done, that burns up, wood, hay, and stubble. We talked about all that. So now we're standing before the God of the universe and all the authority of the universe is in his hands. 
And then we come to this word sila, which was a musical term of pause, rest, think about this, and we're going to key change, transition, musical interlude kind of thing. And then the psalm is going to resume. And now it's God speaking. Okay, so we pick it up in verse 7. What is God going to say? Well, first he's going to talk to his people in verse 7. And then in verse 16, he's going to talk to the wicked, to lost people, people who have not made the covenant by sacrifice. They've not entered into salvation by Jesus alone. Okay, so he says, hear all my people and I will speak. Now, I just want you to catch this for a minute. Um, the judge of the universe who has a consuming fire quality to his person, okay, has taken the stand and he's, in a sense, appealing to his people. All the authority of the universe, all the fire of his personality um, under the control of his love. And he looks at us and he says, listen to me, I want to speak. Now that alone is a powerful picture because um, he could just bring the hammer down. He could come flaming in with indignation, but he's talking to people that he loves. He's talking to people that he's redeemed. And frankly, they've gotten off track. Their doing for him has taken place of their heart with him. Okay, they are acting in behavioral obedience, but their heart has strayed. And, um, and he's going he's gonna to instruct them back instead of hammering them back. Okay, I just, his heart is wonderful. His heart is astounding. Knowing what I deserve, that God would say, let me talk to you. Listen to me. I will testify against thee. Now, that's a little prickly, but imagine you saying to your child, sit down, let me talk to you. Um, I want to share a correction. I want to give you a warning. I want to caution you about something. Okay? I'm going to testify against you. I think it's war I think God is saying, um, hear me out. This is going to feel negative, but hear me out. Okay? Um, I am God, even thy God. Now there, there you go. The assurance. Hey, I'm not rejecting you. I'm still your God. I'm still not just God. I'm your God. Okay? I'm on your side here. I'm in your corner. So you remember the first read of this? We felt like maybe this was really confrontational. I feel like it's fatherly. I feel like it's shepherdly at this point. Like God is wooing me, drawing me. He's trying to, he's trying to calm. He's trying to almost preemptively calm, authoritatively address, but preemptively simultaneously calm what might seem heavy, okay, to me. I'm your God, even your God. I will not reprove thee, verse 8, for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. So, I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or burnt offerings. He starts by saying, I, I don't have an issue with what you're doing. Why? Because in technical terms, they were doing the right thing. It, to bring it into a 21st century vernacular, it's like if you were coming to church and the whole time you're at church, you're answering emails and text messages and you're reading, 
you know, you're reading your email and, and uh, you're not really worshiping, you're going through motions and you're not really listening or learning the Bible. You're just kind of mind numbed out and sitting through it, getting through it, you know, doing, you know, clocking in, clocking out, you know, just showing up, doing your thing, going through your routine, trying to appease God. So you're doing the right things, but you've lost the sense of it and you're really not participating with your heart, okay? So God says, you're doing the right things. I'm not going to reprove your sacrifices or burnt offerings that have been continually before me. Your, your faithful continuance, I don't need to correct you on that. But now the sense changes a little bit in verse 9. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. Now the sense here is, I don't need more sacrifices, okay? Um, so... It's almost like verse 80 saying, you're doing enough sacrifices. This isn't about more sacrifices. Their idea would have been, if God's correcting us, we're not doing enough. So if God's going to correct us, then we need more. We need to bring more lambs. We need to bring more goats. We need to bring more tithes, more offerings, more, more of our fruits. We need, to, we need to do more. And isn't that the way we interpret his corrections preemptively interpret his career. Like before we even hear him out, we're like, oh, I'm not doing enough for God. Okay. So God comes and starts by saying, first of all, you are doing enough. I don't need more animals. I don't need more bullocks, more goats out of your folds. So don't even go there in your mind. Okay. Now I'm really out of time, but we're at such a good place right now. So hold this thought, meditate on these ideas God, knowing that his people in their heart are far from him, but he wants them to turn and, and re-engage in their heart. This is a revival psalm. He wants to renew and revive their love and their experience of him intimately. And so he says, hear and I will speak, oh, my people, my people, uh, oh, Israel, I will testify against thee, but I am God, even thy God. So I'm going to correct you but I'm not going to reject you. I'm going to start by telling you I don't need to correct your doing. You're doing enough. You're doing the right things, and you're doing enough of it. I don't need more of your animals. I don't need more blood sacrifices or more offerings. That's not where we're going. So we'll time out there. We'll pause. And God's setting a, a stage. He's, he's going to say, I don't need these because but here's what I do want, okay? So how tenderly he's going to correct them, how tenderly he corrects you and me. We'll leave it there. Happy Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow.